Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the Realist Podcast in the Dunya, the three Muslims. Today we're joined with a very special guest, Brother Imran Hussein. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullah. So what are where where do you live right now? Where do I live? Uh, I live in the UK. So um, I've lived here most all my life pretty much. Um, specifically in uh, an area in London called West London. So mm, okay. uh, that's my current location, alhamdulillah. And you grew up there or not? Uh, yeah, I grew up here. Yeah, born here, grew up here. Alhamdulillah. Okay. So the first place that I found you was in an Ayurveda video. It was an interview with, uh, uh, I think it was Musa Adnan, right? And you were talking a little bit about, you know, you being a born Muslim, but having kind of like a pseudo revert experience, right? And I can relate in the same way. I was also born Muslim, but I didn't really come on Dean until a little later in my life. So tell me a little bit about how that shaped your life right now. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, loads of people find themselves in this position. You know, this, uh, we're born into Muslim families, yet because for whatever reason, we tend to sort of stray away, leave Islam uh, to different degrees. Some people more so, some people may still call themselves Muslim uh, and still may associate with Islam, uh, but not practice. Others may completely leave Islam. Um, so uh, me personally, it was more of, uh, you know, looking back, I would consider that I was for many years not a Muslim. Uh, because I didn't know anything about Islam. I wasn't interested in Islam. Um, you know, when it came to the question of God, I, it, it wasn't even that does God exist for me. It was just I, I had no interest in finding the answer to that question. Um, and, you know, I was I, you can say that I was living like any other sort of secular atheist at that point. Um, busy with life, trying to do whatever, you know, everyone else is doing, um, trying to hit those goals that everyone has these days as far as worldly goals are concerned. And then, you know, I got to a point in my life where I had to really reconsider, you know, life and reality and really think about these things on a deeper level because, you know, everyone gets to the point where they think, sit down and have that moment where, you know, is this all it's about? Just this material progress, you know, having as much of the world as you can. Um, so I got to that point and uh, then just went on this search, uh, which alhamdulillah led, led me back to Islam. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> looking back, what was one of the most important things, if you had to pick one, that helped you get that belief in Allah back? One thing. Um, for, okay, so for me personally, it was never a sort of rational inquiry. So it wasn't that, okay, what's the proofs for God? Um, you know, let me weigh them out and then decide whether God exists or not. For me, instead, it's, it was more to do with meaning you know, uh, the meaning and purpose of life. Because for me, the way it happened for me was I got to maybe my sort of mid-teens and I was like, okay, what's it all about? You know, what's life all about? Why am I here? Because it's really interesting, bro. As human beings, we, we have this tendency to ask the why question. You know, with kids, you see it with children as well. Very quickly, when they're like four or five years old, they start asking why about everything and anything. You know, why this, why that? So we have this tendency, this, if it's a gift, that, you know, we have such developed rational faculties. Um, but the, 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 what happens is that that why question at some point in everyone's life turns in on oneself. You know, so you start to ask at some point, why do I exist? You know, why, why am I here? Why, why, why all this? Why experience this life? You know, what's it all about? So when I got to that point, I, I had to find an answer because that question, bro, is, it's, it's very troubling to the human mm-hmm. being. 
you know, if you when you really start considering what you what the purpose of your existence is, you can't really focus on anything else. You know, everything else loses its flavor. It, it loses its color. You know, all of the things that you were enjoying two days ago, you know, partying with friends, you know, going out, going to work, you know, whatever, whatever else we do. It just loses loses meaning. Everything loses meaning until you find the answer to that fundamental question. So I, it wasn't by choice. I had to find the answer. So I, I started looking in different places, and then what what really did it for me was when I came back to looking into the Quran and looking into Islam. What I noticed was that Islam provides a comprehensive picture in regards to life and what it's all about, you know, and and why we're here, why we exist, where we're going. And all of these answers are there. And you will find answers in different philosophies and, and worldviews and, and ideologies. You know, you may find some answers here and there. But they, you, one thing you notice, the more you look into these ideologies, they don't, there's no sort of uh, synergy between them. You know, one thing will make sense and another thing will contradict it or something else may contradict that. But Islam comprehensively addresses all aspects of life, life and it sort of puts all the pieces of the puzzle together. So for me, that was what really did it. Um, you know, that sort of practical um, aspect of Islam where it actually does answer all of the questions. It, it has structure. Mm-hmm. It has yep. structure. And that's something I noticed too, man, is uh, I, I was into like the new age stuff. Then I got into uh, Christianity and it just, it, they had pieces of it, but they liked the structure. It liked the, what you said, like bringing everything together for the complete picture like Islam did. So Alhamdulillah, bro. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. And, and, it's int- and that's what a lot of people, like if you, because we work with a lot of uh, revert brothers and sisters in, in the UK as well. And one thing you notice, for many of them, it's not really about, oh, look, I came across a rational argument for God's existence. You know, it's, it's deeper than that. It's, it makes sense. It fits, all, all the pieces fit together. You know, it's comprehensive. Like this, like you said, the structure, Spanla. So yeah, that was that was what it was, bro. It was just it, it answered those questions. Okay. So that being that being said, mashallah. Yeah. That being said, any any brother or sister right now watching that's kind of suffering because they're identifying with an ism, whether it be feminism or liberalism or whatever. What would you? What advice would you have to them to kind of deconstruct from that? I would tell them to see. The thing is, a lot of people today, especially the youth they ascribe to or identify themselves with different ideologies without actually really looking into those ideologies and what the implications are. Do they make sense? Are they, are they coherent? Um, and they don't do that. So it's, if they were to sit out, so that's what the first thing I'll do is recommend them to really look into whatever they're ascribing to and really study it. Like, does it make sense? Is it comprehensive? You know, are there any contradictions, internal contradictions? And when you start doing that, you start to realize very quickly that, okay, all of these, these views, they may make sense on a level, but on another level, when you scratch below the surface, it just all falls apart. You know, it all falls apart. Like take liberalism, for example, you know, it's appealing from one perspective, especially to the youth, because when you're young, it makes sense. You can, you can do what you want, enjoy yourself, as long as you don't harm someone else, you know. But if you get older, as you get older and you become, you know, um, you you go you you become 60, 70 years old. Well, then it's not appealing anymore because it doesn't make sense for that generation, you know. And then you run into the problem of loneliness, which is rampant, especially in the West, especially in the UK. It's one of the biggest killers. So you know, any of these ideologies, you look into them, you you start to notice that there's flaws on some level. 
Um, and you also notice that they, they're geared or set up to, to meet a specific objective, uh, which may not, be, may not be putting you first, but maybe putting a particular, mm. particular system or a way of looking at things first. And you're just sold this idea because it allows you to be a cog in the system in a way. Um, and as long as you're sort of ignorant of the details, it's all good. Um, you know, you could be used. Um, but as soon as you look into these things further and really study them, then things become clear. You know, so that's where I get people to start really look into these ideologies that you're ascribing to. You know, do they fulfill you? You know, if they do, on what level do they fulfill you? Will they continue to fulfill you in, in, in the next 10 years, 20 years time? Um, you know, and, and do they make sense to you for deep down inside, you know, as, as a human being? And when you inquire mm. about these things, become clear. Yeah, you know what it is, too? I think it has to do with the society and the environment and the people that they're around. And it is more so like they didn't choose it. It's just something that was around them and they accepted it because everyone else was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's big. That's big. That's big. That social proofing aspect of it is massive. You know, most people, we're the sheep, you know, we follow. We don't stop and think, okay, is this the right thing? You know, but if you start, start doing that, especially, you know, as Muslims, we're encouraged to think, be people that think and reflect and inquire about things. If you start to do that, things become clear. 100%. Sir, bro, before we go a little deeper, I got a personal question. So we started this podcast six months ago, and we there were a couple of times where I realized that reinforcing and just having times where I'm reflecting our main intention with the podcast was very important. That relates back to this video that I saw you. Um, you were talking about how there was a period in your life where you were getting a little too caught up with the numbers, right? And there were phases that I could relate to that too. So do you want to go into that? What what happened with, with the whole Dawah thing? Was it even related to Dawah or just YouTube in general? It's, it's both, bro, to be very honest, because the Dawah, if you think about the Dawah, it's always public facing. You know, whether it's you're speaking to one person in a you know, in, in, inside the house or whether you're on YouTube, you're always public facing to a degree. Um, so your, your intention is always going to be at risk. And intention, as we know, is one of the most difficult things to get right. You know, it's not mm. easy. Um, so and especially when you're public facing, it becomes even more difficult. And, you know, the ego, we live in we live in times where the ego is really put on a pedestal. It's all about the self, you know, and when we talk about the self, we're not talking about our true essence as human beings, the soul, you know what Allah breathed into us. When we talk about the self in today's world, it's referring to that self-identity, the ego that, that's developed within our minds through life experiences and our association with things. So, you know, it's very easy to fall into this trap and especially with YouTube, bro, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's very difficult. So I went through that phase as well where, you know, you, it's, it's, it's subtle. It happens slowly over time. You know, you start to look at the numbers and you start to look at the subscribers and you start to then think about these things. And then over time, it beca- it's, it's almost like you start justifying it to yourself. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's good to have numbers. It's good to have viewers. It's good to have subs- subscribers because you're getting the message out to more people. So you start justifying it to yourself like that. And, you know, and we, as human beings, we, we, can, we have this tendency. We can, be, we can be very self-deceptive and we can convince ourselves of sort of really absurd things sometimes. So, and that's how it happened with me. And then over time, before you know it, you know, your, your intentions all over the place and you're just, and you're, you're, you're running on empty because I mean, especially when you do things in the deen and you, you know, you, you want to do something for Islam, it has even a bigger impact because when you're not being sincere and you're not, not doing it for the right reasons, you're not going to have that energy. You're not going to have that, that strength to carry on. 
um, and the only thing that feeds you at a point then is the number of viewers. And then when you don't have enough views on a certain video, you get depressed, you get sad, you know, you get upset. Um, you start questioning your own existence to a degree, right? So it's it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Um, it's a tool, you know. It's a tool. It's 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 like a knife. You know, you can use a knife to cut bread, but you can use it to kill someone. So I mean, when we use YouTube, we have to be careful, um, and we have to more than careful. You have to be. We have to be conscious of ourselves, you know, and and really sit down and really think about things or think things through before we do them. And we see this in the Dawah, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm very sort of, you know, as I get older, I, I become less, um, it's it's not, look, let me put it this way. It's the Dawah scene online, generally speaking, is in a bit of a mess at the moment, bro, because a lot of things are being justified under the term Dawah, under the umbrella of Dawah, you know, and you see these things sometimes and, and it's, you just you just think, what is the intention behind this? Why are people doing these things? Um, and we don't we're not considering the sort of long term implications of that for us in this life and the hereafter. You know, it's it's dangerous, especially. But it, this is why we have to be cognizant, we have to be conscious. Uh, we have to have awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, we should and we should be present. We should be, you know, really think, take a moment before we do anything and ask ourselves, OK, why am I doing this? Is this really beneficial for the dawah? You know, is it already being done? If someone else is doing it, then do I need to do it? And if I'm still doing it, then what's my thinking behind that? And just be spend a bit of time thinking about these things. Be a bit more organized with uh, your your you know your thought process, and then inshallah these things will help in the long run. But I did struggle. I did struggle from that a lot, and I know loads of people in the dawah, especially these days, are struggling from this. And it has more than one reason. You know, the mm. other reason is, I mean. Sincerity, if you think about the concept of sincerity, you know, for me, one of the most fundamental things that's going to determine how close you get to being sincere is your relationship with Allah. You know, you can't be sincere towards someone you don't know or that you have, you know, you're close to. It's very difficult. So the more you know Allah, the closer you are to him, the more you recognize your relationship with Allah, you know, where you stand in the grand scheme of things, that you are his slave. He is your creator. You know, that you, you've, we come from nothing and we're going to return to nothing. You know, it really sort of debases the ego from that perspective and it really helps with sincerity as well, inshallah. Um, but so, yeah, it's just, as long as we're conscious, I mean, we, I mean, we have to use these tools, you know, but we have to be careful at the same time. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's all my thoughts on that. Do you think that lack of conscious or being in the present moment is a big contributing factor to the attachment to social media validation that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I mean, it, all aspects of life. I mean, we don't, we're not present, you know, and this Islam teaches us this. I mean, we, we hear this from sort of new age spiritualists today, you know, be present in the moment. Don't lose yourself in the past. Don't lose yourself in the future. But this is a base concept in Islam as well. I mean, when Allah speaks about those who are successful in the Quran, you know, it's those who are, who have hashia in salah, in their prayer. You know, and how do you have how do you have this humbleness and awareness in prayer? You have to be present. I mean, if you're not present, you're not going to be you're not going to be humble. You're not going to be submissive. You're not going to be connecting with Allah if your mind is in the future somewhere worrying about something or sort of crying about something that happened two days ago. So it, being present is key. You know, and it, it's it's the root to a lot of problems that we face. You know, and a lot of you know haphazard things that we do in our life sometimes that we don't stop and just really stop and think. You know. Um, and sometimes not even think, just be aware of your current situation, what's going on, you know, where am I right now internally, where's my heart, 
Um, so if we just to do this, I think it will really help. It makes me think uh, to certain situations in my life where when I'm not present, things will happen, right? Like, let's say uh, I get injured. I do MMA, so I get injured. I get a groin injury. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, like this is going to stop me from training. I got to take X amount of time off. Uh, I got to do all this stuff. But it's like all that's really happening. Let me just make sure I got this good here. But um, all that's really happening is uh, the intention. Since the intention wasn't there, then Allah is like, okay, well, let me humble you. Let me bring you back. And because the presence is also not there, we fail to recall Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all we're recalling is the, uh, the lesson, the trial. And that brings us deeper into the trial and makes the trial expand. And we just get consumed by it versus coming back to that awareness of Allah. And then coming back to, I guess, the full presence to where you have the, the intention set pro appropriately. I don't know. That's what you reminded me of. I don't know if this uh, completely aligns with what we're talking about. I just had to throw it out there. No, it's deep, bro. It's, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, it, it, and it, it reflects in all areas of life. And sometimes a lot of the problems we end up in and we suffer from is because of our lack of attention, you know, in doing things, you know, to start with. Um, and it's the same with, you know, loads of people suffer from, you know, I, they, they, like I can't feel that connection with Allah. You know, I can't feel that spirituality. Again, it stems to the, it boils down to the same thing. It's like, are we present? Like when we look at Allah tells us, reflect upon nature, look at the world around you. You know, his signs are all around you. But we can't see them. We, we're so desperate in finding that, that perfect philosophical argument that will prove Allah exists and bring us some type of validation. But I mean, how often do we, when, how often do we, you know, these days especially, go out and just spend some time in nature and just be present? You know, look at a tree, for example. And without any sort of previous baggage in our minds, any of the, you know, stuff that may else may be going on, oh, evolution, or the scientist told me this, or this happened, or that happened. I mean, just don't think and just look at that that tree for a second, you know, and really let it sink in. That, you know, this is a living organism. It's it's and it, and it has a purpose. It has benefits. It gives us oxygen, takes in carbon dioxide, etc. You know, and just be there with the with with what Allah has created, you know, and that that itself would lead to a deep sort of spiritual. Um, awakening in people but we don't do it we're so busy like we said worrying about the future what's going to happen where am I going to go tomorrow Where's, when's my next meeting or you know crying about being depressed about what happened in the past and we're not here we're like right now you know that and that's the key it's like being here being present and that's what taqwa boils down to so what is taqwa you know being conscious of Allah aware of Allah you know it's and it, it, there's a very beautiful narration I think it was uh Umar ibn al-Khattab who either said this or asked this question to another companion about taqwa and what, what was how he understood taqwa and he said it's like you know when you're about to sort of traverse and go through this thorny path with these loads of thorny bushes and you sort of gather your clothing just to make sure when you're going through it that you don't get caught somewhere your clothing doesn't get caught your, your skin doesn't get torn you know it's, so it's about being and you have to be present you have to be aware of everything and aware of Allah and it's going to come when you really try to relax a bit and not it's not worry so much about you know what's happened or what will happen so what do you think pulls people away from taqwa 
there's that's uh, there's just probably loads of things, bro. Um, one of the one of the key things is it's just the the fast pace fast pace of life today that you know we experience. You know, it's all about because we got to remember the context. We live in a world which is designed in a very specific way. You know, especially mm-hmm. after the the period of enlightenment of you know the 18th and 19th century, the 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 objective that was set and and given to human beings was worldly progress. You know, it's about creating paradise on earth, you know, as opposed to wanting to attain paradise in the hereafter. So you have to bring paradise to earth, literally. And, you know, you have to make your life as comfortable as you can, as luxurious as you can, have as much money as you can, have as many material possessions as you can. And that's what defines success. That's your purpose. Now, with that in mind, you know, obviously, you know, it's going to, that philosophy is going to affect even the Muslims to a certain degree because we live in this world. You know, we go through the same educational institutions. We go through, we experience everything else every other person experiences. So that doesn't help because we're always thinking about how do I, you know, buy the next car? How do I save for this? What, do, what else do I need to, you know, purchase from Amazon and, 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 you know, make sure I have, you know, we're trying to outdo other people. You see, and you, and you see this with neighbors. I mean, in the, in the UK, I don't know if it's the same where you guys are, but when you walk down certain streets, you'll notice that, you know, if, if one, one person, one house on the street has like a certain fire alarm, you know, a certain system in place, the next five or six houses would have the same system in place, you know, and then you'll find a house that has lots like solar panels on the roofs. And then the next five or six houses would have solar panels on the roof, you know, so it's, it, we're always trying to outdo each other, compete with each other. And, and this is something, this creates a lot of worry and stress and, and it takes a lot of focus, you know, it draws your attention away from what's important, which is knowing your creator, worshiping him, you know, being present, uh, being aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, trying to do what's good as opposed to what's bad. And there's a lot of distractions in the world that we live in. You know, it's, it's, it's full of distractions and it's very hard. And that's why, mashallah, what you guys are doing on these podcasts, you know, uh, reaching out to the youth and really trying to sort of help them out, you know, with their journey uh, in Islam and through their lives is, is very powerful, bro. Uh, and, and people need to be aware of these things, man. You know, it's, it's sad when you see it. You know, you, you see someone that's memorized the entire Quran, for example, you know, and I've come across people like this and they've memorized the entire Quran, yet they, their faith is on edge. You know, they're like, I don't know if I believe anymore. You know, subhanAllah, I mean, it's, it, it, and why is it happening? It's happening because of all these reasons. You know, we're not really paying attention. We're not focusing on the basics. We're not understanding what Allah is saying in the Quran. You know, uh, Quran, I mean, it, it, we don't read it. We don't spend time with the Quran. You know, it's sad. It's, it's a shock. It's, these are the words of Allah. This is what we believe. This is a revelation from God, which is preserved. Well, why aren't we then spending time with it? You know, it's the best self-help book that's available on the face of this earth. There ever will be. Yet, we rather read self-help books written by, written by certain gurus and certain people. Other human beings who are as limited as us and may experience the same problems as us. You know, but we don't take the time to read the book of Allah. You know, so, I mean... We're shooting ourselves in the foot in some ways. In some ways, it's the environment, the world that we live in, you know, which distracts us. And, and there's many other factors, many, many other factors. Mm-hmm. That leads me to the next question, where it's like, all right, let's say someone isn't involved in the fast-paced lifestyle. Like the gentleman that you just mentioned, where he's learning the entire Quran, but then he's getting to the point where he's over here dwindling in his iman. Is it is it Imam or no? It's Iman. It's Iman. 
Yeah, my bad. I'm, I'm still learning, bro. I'm still reading. Yeah, may but, Allah bless um, you, bro. Mashallah. Yeah, inshallah, inshallah. But um, yeah. So this person, he's learning the Quran. He doesn't have the fast-paced lifestyle, but yet his taqwa is dwindling. His iman is dwindling. Like, what then? What would you say is his issue? Do you think it's uh, something to do with the spirituality part, where he he's getting so much into? Um, obviously, recalling the Quran is amazing, but he's getting so much into the rational, logistic side that they're failing to get that spiritual side, that spiritual connection. It's it's yeah. So I think one of the issues is is that we have this tradition, especially in certain parts of the world. Like for example, uh, I can speak for Pakistan um, and 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 this Asian subcontinent mainly, where you would learn the Quran, you may memorize the entire Quran, but there won't be any emphasis on understanding what the Quran is saying. You know, what is Allah saying? What's the message? Because the Quran is guidance. You know, Allah says, Hudan nas is guidance for mankind. Well, if it's guidance, then guidance needs to be understood. You know, you can't call something guidance unless you, you, you have no clue what it's saying. You know, it's not going to guide you at least. So there's a lack of, emphasis on on really understanding the Quran in your language you know there's many translations available but people don't think it important in some places of the world or don't give it the same amount of emphasis as other things so that is a def- big problem and definitely there are Muslims out there who memorize the entire Quran in Arabic yet they don't know what it means you know there's many people like this and that is a problem fundamentally that's an issue um, the other thing is it's it's and it goes back to the point about the world that we live in it's like what is your who is your god you know what is your ilah in the arabic the the word itself referring to you know the being that's greater than you and the being that you rely upon and depend upon what is your god what have you made your god every human has a god you know by we can't escape this everyone submits to something everyone worships something you know for some people it's materialism for others it's another person for some it may be you know some type of ideology or view Everyone is submitting to something. Everyone is obeying something. That's a fundamental question. Who are you obeying? What are you worshipping? I mean, a lot of times, and this is the thing, because we don't understand Tawheed, the concept of the oneness of Allah, and that Allah alone is the creator. You know, he is the only being that's maintaining everything and in control of everything. And then logically, he's the one that we should worship. I mean, why would we, as rational human beings, worship or submit to something inferior? You know, something that's not any better than we are, as, you know, as limited beings. You know, we should worship Allah alone. But because we don't understand this, we end up taking other beings, you know, uh, as objects of worship. And sometimes not even knowing that we're doing that, you know, or not being aware of that. And that causes a lot of problems. And sometimes it also, to add to this, it's also sins, you know, uh, desires. You know, some people, Allah says in the Quran, have you not seen the one that's taken his own desires as Lord? as a God, you know, and this is, it's a powerful ayah, if you think about it, it's a powerful verse, because, you know, sometimes some people would take themselves as Lord, you know, I mean, typical example, and it's probably a bit of a stereotype, but you will get some atheists who would say, you know, I don't worship anything, I don't follow anyone, I do what I want to do, you know, well, well you're, 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 the clue is in what you've just said, you're submitting to yourself, your base desires, you know, what the voice from inside, you know, so, you're not in any better position than someone that's worshiping a stone or a statue or an idol. So, you know, it's, it's about really understanding that Allah is the only being worthy of worship. He's the only creator, the only maintainer and submitting to him, you know, and 
and we have to as human beings take that first step you know allah is allah is free of need as he says he doesn't need us you know he doesn't need our worship he doesn't need us to praise him or, or glorify him he's completely independent of these things we are in need of him as human beings you know and when we realize this you know that you know it's like i always give the example you know if you have a car and you buy a car that's designed to run on petrol right so you drive it around it's a really nice car and as soon as you run out of petrol you have this sort of genius idea you think you know what i'm not going to put petrol in the tank i'm going to go home i'm going to get a, a, a bottle of water and i'm going to put water in the tank i mean what's going to happen the car's going to break down you know so it, we, as human beings we're designed to run off something you know physically we have certain things that we need to run off like food water etc but spiritually we also have needs and requirements and we have to we have this something that we have to run off and that is allah worshiping allah that's what we were created to do so if we don't do this we're going to have problems we're going to have issues you know and if we don't focus on the basics and really understand who allah is why we were created all of these things we're going to have problems in our iman especially if we have we're submitting to other things we're fulfilling our desires we're engaging in sins all of these things are going to sort of dampen and and cover the heart uh, so you're not going to be able to connect and when you're not connected you know or you don't your your heart's covered and you don't have that spiritual connection of course you're going to have doubts coming into your mind and problems and issues and questions you know so um yeah i i guess that that's So those are a few reasons why you may find someone that may have memorized the Quran entirely but still yet suffer from uh, low iman or to the or may end up in a position where they're just not sure anymore and don't know what to do what to believe mashallah mashallah so are you married right now or married with kids married with kids married with kids man married with kids kids man, right now yeah no bless your family so I mean, tell me something about you know a couple lessons that you learned from being a father and a husband That's a really good question. No one's asked that question before, Subhanallah. Um, Bro, I only asked that because a lot of viewers, along with me, like a couple of years ago, I would look at you and be like, "Okay, you look like you're like 23, 24." No, I'm I'm 33, bro. Alhamdulillah, I'm 33 years old, man. Alhamdulillah, it may just be the camera. It's good. This maybe this contrast. No, that's a good camera, bro. Keep that around. So when you're like 90, you look like you're 60. Inshallah, bro. Alhamdulillah, good advice, man. Uh, so what I've learned from marriage and fatherhood. Um, patience is one of the biggest lessons you learn you know especially with kids man you know uh, children can be really testing um so just to have patience you know and also responsibility bro you know so responsibility is a big thing you know um just to be responsible for someone other than yourself is is massive you know uh, and again responsibility is one of those things that we don't really want to take these days you know that's why you see people don't want to get married you know they don't want to be responsible for the community etc responsibility is massive that's those that, that's one of the biggest things two things i've learned patience and responsibility mashallah allah are you even married now probably i think close to and i'm terrible with dates bro so that's why i'm having to think about this uh, maybe i think it's it's, it's been over Seven years now, seven eight years. Jeez, Your wife watching this right now, probably like Imran, man, come on. Yeah, I know. I'm terrible. I, I don't remember birthdays, but one of the things I, it's just this vice I have. If you like, I just can't remember dates, man. I'm just terrible with dates. Mm-hmm. Dates and names; those are the two things I just can't remember. So, 
I feel like I have a question here, but I don't think it might be appropriate. I was going to ask. Go ahead. Okay, because um, I was going to ask you, is the marriage, like, is marriage what you thought it would be? And I was going to ask you, like, is it like a relationship? But then again, like, you were born Muslim. So I don't know if you ever had just a relationship, because I understand that that's it's haram to have just a relationship. So I'll, I'll say this, right? When I wasn't Muslim, I was living like everyone else was living. So yeah, I, I you know, I was involved, may have had some relationships, etc., right, with with people. Um, what was the other? What was the? Sorry, what was the? He's basically asking like an Islamic marriage is it like a relationship in a way? Like how in today's secular and non-Muslim world yeah. we have just people dating and all that. Mm-hmm. It's it, again, it comes back to responsibility, bro, man. We, it's like you have to be real with it. So there is that what they call the honeymoon period, right? Which is the maybe the first, you know, uh, it depends. It varies. You can say the first year. Some people say the first couple of months, etc. Right. So you, you, there is that period and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you know, brothers and sisters, when they get married, they should enjoy that period. Right. But they should be practical as well, you know, because a relationship between two people a husband and a wife it's it's deeper than that it's deeper than that initial infatuation and those you know those those feelings that you have initially um and be ready for that you know that's the best piece of advice to give brothers is like because before they get married they're really excited and they think it's going to be like a bollywood movie you know where it's just never going to end and those feelings are never going to change or anything like that but you know it feelings change but it gets it, that's not in a negative way it gets deeper right so it's it, it the love becomes deeper. It's not just superficial. It's not just based on how you look, you know, or or what I like about your 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 personality. It's deeper than that, you know. It's it's and it's a beautiful thing in and of itself. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's and it's it's beautiful also because you know we realize that Allah has He's put a system in place. So the marriage has a dynamic, you know. There's give and take on 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 both. For both parties, so for the for the husband and the wife, you know, and you have to, and you also also have to be, you know, forgiving. You have to have true forgiveness. You know, you have to be, you have to overlook, you know, sometimes, and you can't be, you can't be rigid in your marriage. You know, if you if you're rigid, you'll break. The marriage will break. You know, so you have to be practical, pragmatic. You have to relax. You know, you you just just, you know, there'll be times where your spouse may do something you don't like. You know, and it may be a minor thing. Don't just let it go. You know, you have to be, I mean, you have to be gentle with this. And marriage develops in a very beautiful way. You know, if you, especially if you conduct it within, within the Islamic framework, you know, it develops and it becomes deeper and, and much more meaningful. You know, and especially when you have children, then it's this, another element that comes in is this partnership between the husband and wife to raise your children properly. You know, so again, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a beautiful system. You know that Allah has put in place, and and men need women, and women need men. You know we're not complete without the other. You know, and again, it's just it's a sign because you know every aspect of our lives, it's we can't be whole as an individual. There's only one. It's Allah. He's alone. You know, He does. He's free of need. As human beings, we we have needs. You know, and and women complement men, and men complement women in, in their own ways. So, you know, but it's within the framework of Islam, which which. And then it expands out to the, the society as well. It's what's best for society, you know. 
but what we see, you know, in, in being practiced otherwise, you know, is it's 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 detrimental on many levels. You know, when you people just have relationship after relationship, it has it has an impact on people, their perceptions and and all of this. So, um, it's what what I would say is is it's just to summarize, I guess, is be practical. Know that there's going to be that initial honeymoon period. Enjoy that. Make the most of it. Don't be like, oh, I know it's going to be over. So forget it. I'm not gonna, you know, it's just transient. No. Enjoy each phase in your marriage. You know, it's mm. it's it's gonna bring something new and it's gonna be meaningful in its own way. Are you guys married, by the way? Yeah, I am. Oh, yeah, it is. Mashallah. You married as well, bro? Mashallah. Mashallah. No, sir. No, not, not yet. yet. Okay. Not inshallah. Yet. Very inshallah. soon. Yeah, very soon, inshallah. Um, but the question, man. Uh, actually, I take that back. If it, if I if it comes back, inshallah, I will throw it in there. But my mind just went blank. You, you talked about marriage, thought about women, and my mind went blank, man. SubhanAllah. Mm-hmm. May Allah make it easy for you, bro. May Allah yeah, make yeah, it so you're married very soon, inshallah. Amen. Adan, with that being said, let's imagine someone like Anho. Most brothers today, they want to get married, right? But we live in a we live in a society where it could be because of the way culture is. It could be the way parents are. That haram is becoming very easy and at our fingertips and mm. halal is becoming very difficult so what are some of the factors that you think are leading it to the way it is right now i think the muslim community is to blame to an extent so that we don't have the infrastructures in place to make it easy for brothers and sisters right um just and that could be as easy as a mosque you know they have a little project in place where you know if a brother wants to get married they can go and speak to the imam and then you know there's a system in place where that could be set up it, could, it can happen inshallah um and then obviously, again, I can't speak for every community, but if you're speaking about the Asian community specifically, man, there's issues, bro. Like uh, we have this, like the parents make it difficult. You know, the brother wants to get married. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's 20 years old, 22 years old, maybe younger, you know, he's hormonal. Obviously we're human, we go, you got hormones, they're raging, you know, make it easy for them. Yeah. So just, if he wants to get married, but no, it's like, you know, you've got to get, you've got to finish your education. You've got to get a good job. You've got to get a place. And when all of these things are placed in place, then come back to me and we think about it. You know, I will come back to me and I'll get get you married to my friend's daughter, who's you know, who I've promised him already. You're gonna get married to. <laughs> so there's so many issues. Like, I mean, parents need to make it easy for the kids. Yeah, um, and and that means when they if they have if they feel comfortable to approach you and tell you they want to get married, then, then facilitate that for them, you know, make it easy for them. Don't make it more difficult for people. Um, so that's on a sort of family dynamic level, on a social level amongst the Muslim community. Maybe it's easier in Canada, but in the UK, I mean, it's still very difficult. Most, you know, as far as I'm aware, most mosques don't have something in place. Like, they don't know where to go. Like many brothers, they don't know who to ask. You know, because mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a big thing, marriage. You know, it's not something in Islam that you can get married today and you know get divorced tomorrow, just because you know whatever. You need to consider things, right? You need to make sure that you're getting married to the right person. So that means you have to come across the right person, and that needs to be you know facilitated. Um, so yeah, all those factors, man. I think it's it causes issues and problems. And like you said, there's so much haram in our environment in our society and it's all around bro i mean you go down the walk down the street and you'll see like six billboards where uh women are being objectified and used to sell a product i mean it's and and if you're a guy then it's going to be an issue because it's a part of your nature as as as, as a man so you know it's it, it, considering just how se- overly sexualized society is today uh 
but we need to try to make it easier for our youth to get married when they're ready and to take that responsibility. Um, and so they can mature as well. Because marriage, like I said, it matures you as a human being, man. It makes you responsible. You know, it, may, it, it actually, you know, from, a, uh, from a, a guy's perspective, it makes you a man in a way, in many ways, you know, because you, you're not only worrying about yourself, you have to take care of people now. You know, you have a family to, to support. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a good thing, bro. It's a good thing, you know, so and, and it should be facilitated and made easy for, for our younger generation, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. You've, you've let me remember what I was going to ask you earlier. Okay. which was, I want to get your take on this, right? Because I have my take, and I'm sure Fayed has his, but I want to know what you think as uh, what problems come about from uh, this whole basically dating, like you go from one relationship to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, or you're going from like one marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage. Like what implications does this have on the individuals that are partaking in this? So one of the things I would say, it's, it, it, it messes with your psychology, you know, as, as a male and a female, you know, because relationships, you know, there's something that by the very nature is supposed to be meaningful. You know, there's something that's nurtured and grow, supposed to grow over time. But when you're jumping from person to person to, to person, I mean, you're, you're, you're short-circuiting yourself. You're messing with your wiring as well as a human being. I mean, you know, you lose respect for the opposite gender to a degree you know if for, for for guys women just become you know just just this you know there's just this this being or creature that they're supposed to you know get with and get whatever they want from them and that's it and move on you know I, I can't put it in any other way um and for women i mean the, the male and female psychology is different right no and this is one of those big things i mean it's not to say one is better than the other, not at all, you know, but men and women are different. I mean, we have to recognize this. And I know the feminists have, <laughs> have, have some really distorted ways of looking at things, um, especially when it comes to equality. Um, but you, you can't run away from this. I mean, if you look at the psychological research on this, the scientific research on this, men and women are different, you know, psychologically, physically, emotionally. Women have certain traits guys don't have. You know, they're much more emotionally intelligent. You know, they're much more aware, emotionally and sensitive. And that's, a, that's an amazing trait to have. Uh, and guys have certain traits that women don't have. But so I, th I think from a purely female perspective, a woman's perspective, and I can't say much, but I mean, I can't see it doing anything good for her. She's having to go from one person to another person to a third person. It, it, it must really mess with, with the female psychology, you know, and it, it's not a good thing in, in any way, shape or form, bro. We lose respect for each other. We objectify each other in ways which is not true. And then in the long run, you're going to have problems in your, when you do want to settle down, you know, because you're just not going to know how to do that, you know, and on top of it, you're just, you're not going to be getting those immediate thrills that you may get from a, a short-term relationship. So what do you do then? You're Because you've spoilt, spoilt yourself in a certain mm. way and you're going to have issues, problems. Um, yeah. And then obviously psychologically, it damages you to a degree. I mean, how many times do good you know, relationships where the intention is for it to last end because of you know previous experiences you know that the the the, the sister or the, or the woman has had some really bad traumatic experiences when they tried to make they may have fallen in love with the guy who messed her up messed her around you know that's going to impact a relationship in the future 
you know so it it destroys these 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 sort of delicate structures within society and it really messes and what and then kids if they have, have children the poor children suffer because of this whole you know situation and then they go on and that sort of colors their thinking as well you know because children like sponges bro you know when they see that their parents are split or they're fighting and arguing and it's not working it's going to leave a lasting impression in their minds which later in their lives can affect them negatively as well 100% you make me recall like my own experience and you know I, I revert in closing in on a year now alhamdulillah but I feel like the experiences that I had with like multiple women has like tainted me and uh is very and I speak very honestly here but it is very difficult um looking at muslimas and and trying to choose uh at least one for a wife and because I I'm telling you like I was with women that were like Instagram models at least I perceived them I perceived them like that and it's like bro like when you go from that and then like obviously in Islam you don't have these women that are portraying themselves like this or beautifying themselves like this, you know, for the like most for part. For the world, for public. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, for the most part. Um, it's, it's just weird, bro. And like, I find myself turning down opportunities because of my past experiences where I'm like, well, I had something like this and this sounds very shallow and I'm not, I'm going to admit it. It's, it probably is very shallow, but it's like I'll see the woman, and it's just I'm like, oh, I, I've I've had better. Like I'm sorry to say that, but I've had better, and I do feel like it's tainted me. So like I can only imagine what it does for people who who don't come to Islam and who stay in that secular way. Yeah, man, it's big. I mean, we're human at the end of the day, isn't it? So it's mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna have, you know, it's gonna have these implications and loads of brothers, bro. Like, I mean, even non-practicing Muslims, when they come, start practicing again and they want to get married, they have similar issues. I mean, it's, um, and, and the only thing you can, well, there's a couple of things you can do in such a situation. Um, and it's difficult. I mean, it's easy to say, but I mean, it, psychologically and emotionally, it's very difficult. Is, is one of the things is, is to just give yourself the bigger picture, which is, you know, I need to be with someone who has a good character and has a good heart, you know, and I know it's easy to say because, you know, the, the, you know, the, you need, they have to, and Islam encourages this, the person you're going to get married to has to be physically attractive to you as well. I mean, that's a part of it as well. So may Allah make it easy, bro. May Allah give you that balance, inshallah, and, and give you the right partner, inshallah, very soon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I wanted to touch on one thing you said earlier. Yes, men and women are different, but Allah made them different, right? It's beautiful. It doesn't have to be a competition that, you know, men are better in, you know, everything. Women are better in everything. Men are better in some areas. Women are better in some areas. And there's a reason, you know, why that is the way it is, right? That being said, though, um, you mentioned that uh, being in these relationships, just going from relationship to relationship, it does take a toll on your psychology, right? Would you, do you think it affects one sex more than the other? And I only ask that because in Islam, Allah allows, you know, men to be polygynous. You know, there's a certain different amount of criteria, but that ability is still there. Does it affect one sex more than the other? Yeah, as far like as a far woman as... going through a bunch of different relationships, does it, does it just affect her psychology, biochemistry, whatever you want to call it, um, with men, period, compared to a man 
that would go through the same thing? Generally speaking, I'd say yes. So what I mean by that is, if you take, if you to just generalize, right? Because uh, women do get connected more. They they do invest uh, more so quicker than men do in a relationship. Um, now again, I'm going to use this word, but I need to contextualize it. They they are more emotional. Um, but what I mean by that is that they they they're more in tune with their feelings. Mm. Um, so I'm not saying in a negative way, right? Um, and they, it, it, and therefore, as an extension, because they've committed and given themselves to the person and, and invested in that person, it's much more difficult for them. But then again, brothers, there are some brothers who are very emotional and sensitive as well. You know, some guys have that type of nature too, where they're very sort of emotional and emotionally in tune with people. So generally speaking, yes, I would say it affects uh, women more. But I think there are, you know, men that are affected really badly. Uh, from such experiences as well and having different relationships. Um, but yeah, like you said, bro, um, men and women, you know, uh, it's a very beautiful point. And, you know, you summarized it, which is they're different, but it doesn't mean one, difference doesn't, log- it doesn't logically follow just because two things are different, that one is better than the other. You know, I mean, and that's how some people would want to see it. Or oh, you're saying there's a difference, therefore you're saying that men are better than women. No, you know, they're different. Some, you know, men have be- some qualities which, uh, women don't have and women have certain qualities that men don't have or may not have the opposite gender may not have the same degree of that quality within them. Do you That's think facts. society plays a role yeah. in shaming men for not having some qualities that women have from a very young age and vice versa? Shaming women for a lot of their qualities that they're born with in the natural fitrah by Allah and yeah. for not having the qualities that men have? Yeah, I think across the board, men for men and women. Okay, because we have again the 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 one of the underlying philosophical ideas is is of equality from a sort of liberal sense uh, of the word and and equal opportunities and equal you know uh, outcome for both men and women. Um, so it's almost like the world we live in today doesn't want to recognize anymore the the sort of fundamental differences between men and women. Uh, not to say that one is better than the other. That's not what we're saying but that there are differences. They don't want to recognize them because, you know, especially this whole feminist movement, it's, it's all about, you know, it being equal across the board. And they don't really define that. And they don't really look at the implications of what they're saying either sometimes, you know? So it's, um, it's it definitely, men are shamed for certain things and women too are shamed for certain things, you know? So it's, uh, and this is the thing, again, when, you're, when your information and your way of looking at the world is coming from the human mind, a subjective perspective, on what you think is right, given the time you you live in in, in history, uh, you're gonna have problems because it all boils down to human subjectivity, you know. As opposed to when you're referring to Allah, the Creator of men and women, you know, and therefore He is the source that's gonna be able to tell us the differences, you know, and and tell us the qualities and tell us how they can work with each other to 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 benefit themselves and benefit society. Um, so yeah, I think it, it does definitely does to answer your question. Alhamdulillah. Bro, I just paused because I thought I had a question. No? Okay. All right. Okay. Let's, let's say in a, you're in a scenario, you have a son, and you have this idea in your, in your mind, being a practicing Muslim, that you want to be unashamed in the fact that you want your son to grow up to be a man. And, you know, not in any way, there's no, there's no definition of a man. There's no one definition. I don't want to say this is what a man is. If you have to, you know, act like a man, then you're not a man. What I'm saying is, 
you want him to be a man. Society's telling him if, you know, he doesn't want to be like that, it's okay. Matter of fact, they're encouraging that. How do you, how do you keep that in your mind? How do you keep that in check in your household? How do you have that conscious intention that, you know, you want to guide him to be a proper man by the Quran and Sunnah, but society's out here, you know, kind of pulling him to the seams at times to the other direction. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, like you said, there's no sort of clear definition. What does it mean to be a man, right? There's some notions that we have, right, which are so very intuitive, and you may, you know, may have been rep- are represented even within society or used to be. Um, but I think that's that's a far too big of a question. I mean, if we started trying to figure out how we define what a man is, we'll be here for a very long time. But I think what I would what I would do personally, what I try to do is when my kids are old old enough to understand is to get them to try to understand the source of Islam. Like, who is Islam from? Okay, it's from Allah. Okay, so what does that mean now? It's from the all-knowing creator. Therefore, logically, what God says is true, right? It, it necessarily follows. If it comes from Allah, then it must be true. So try to live your lives according to the Quran, for my daughter and my son, right? So, and if they both do that, then I think, you know, it, it's, there's a natural development for men and women within the Quran. You know, um, and and it's almost like they'll naturally be able to understand their roles and responsibilities, um, and try to fulfill them to the best of their ability, as opposed to having to 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 tell them specifically. You know, this is what it means to be a man. So, and if they're following what Islam teaches, then whenever they do come across certain ideas in society, which you know um, may be incorrect, they'll be able to sort of weigh it in and evaluate it mm. with what Allah has said. You know, so I think okay. core concepts is key, bro. It's like giving kids those core concepts, you know, and that doesn't mean, you know, do this or don't do that, you know, mm. because with kids, if you tell them do this, or don't do that, it, it's not really going to help. And I think that causes a lot of problems amongst Muslims as well, you know, and, and many people, ex-Muslims, if you like, or, um, you know, people that Muslims that have left Islam, one of the biggest things is, oh, why does God want me to, why should I do this? Why should I do that? Why should I pray five times a day? You know, why should I fast in Ramadan? It's, it, it all boils down to the fundamental issue. They haven't understood the source of this religion and what that therefore implies. You know, if it's from Allah, the all-knowing, all-powerful creator, you know, the one that wants best for us, the one that loves us, then therefore it logically follows. Whatever he said is true. Therefore, I should follow it to the best of my ability. Regardless of whether I completely understand, you know, all of the wisdoms behind it, all of the logic behind it, all of the rationale behind it, it's irrelevant. You know, because as human beings, sometimes, as Allah says, sometimes we want things which are bad for us and we don't realize it, you know, from our perspective. And sometimes we want things, we don't want things which may be actually good for us. Um, so I think just getting, giving kids core concepts and allowing, to, allowing them to understand why Islam is true and then encouraging them to follow it to the best of their ability as they grow and develop. I think that's the solution to, to all of these issues, bro. Alhamdulillah, Habibi. I think it's very important as well to add to your wonderful point that it's good to start young too. You know, you know, if you start later and you want to enforce boundaries later, it's, it's a little confusing to kids, right? You don't want to have a kid who, you know, they, they come home, you know, raised in today's West, they, they wear whatever you want. And then you, you quote them in the Hadith about the Prophet Sallallahu talking specifically about men that dress like women and women that dress like men. They're going to be like, like what? It's it's almost too late. I don't want to say it's too late because you know Allah guides who He wills, but it's better as parents that we take that role on earlier than after things already hit the fan. Yeah, and, and look, it's, it's, here's this: is what always you know, sort of whenever such people come up with such sort of questions or, or issues, you know, about 
why do this or why do that? Why dress like this or dress like that? Why do women have to cover in a certain way and men don't have to cover in the same way? You know, it's, let's understand the fundamental issue here. The real problem is who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the creator of everything or are you going to follow created beings and their subjective opinions and ideas, you know, which are ever-changing through the, throughout the years, decades, centuries, ever-changing, bro. I mean, things that we consider to be okay in today's society, you know, 2021, go back 10 years, you know, some of those things, at least some of those things would not be considered okay and normal. Go 10 years into the future, things will change again. You know, morality, their perspective on what's right and wrong will change because it's always based on the limited human subjective mind, you know, which can't give you absolutes or, or clarity. It's just, it's going to be opinion uh, of certain individuals then which is spread through society and it becomes a norm for a little while and then it changes again, you know. I mean, who do you want to follow? Do you want to follow subjective ideas and opinions or do you want to follow what the creator has told you? You know, but I mean, rationally, it makes sense to follow the creator as opposed to created beings and their ideas and views. I just want to say, bro, uh, my iman has been boosted. I feel like I got an iman boost having this conversation with you. Bro, may Allah bless you, bro. May Allah increase yeah. you, bro. Bro, may Allah bless you. I mean, I mean, I mean. I mean. Speaking of iman boosters, bro, I think... You know, given that we're going towards the end of our timeline, let's end it with this. What advice would you have to brothers and sisters who are dwindling in their iman at times? So the very first thing is to realize, you know, and to come to terms with the fact that you're dwindling. Because a lot of times we put it off, you know, so we may have some, we may not be practicing or we may not be wanting to pray on time pray properly we may be rushing it so subtle things like this will happen and in many cases we don't stop and think okay i need to fix something something isn't isn't right normally we just let it go on right let it get worse through the course of time so first thing is to realize okay you know you need to take you need to evaluate you need to sit down and think about what's wrong and once you get to that sort of conscious space in your mind and you realize okay things need to be fixed is then to realize that if you are dwindling if you're having problems with your iman if you're not praying on time, you don't, you know, you don't want, you're not wanting to do certain things. You realize it's happening for a reason. Everything happens for a reason, right? So what is the reason? So go, go and search for that reason. Okay. Maybe it's society. Maybe it's my environment. Maybe I'm engaging in too many sins. You know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm doing things that, you know, I desire and I know they're not right. You know, because, and I think if we've got a couple of minutes, I do want to sort of uh, explain uh, this whole Alhamdulillah. So I do want to explain this whole thing about doubts and confusions and, and lack of Iman and stuff. See, the way I see doubts is you have, you can put doubts in two categories, right? Doubts, which are not really doubts, they're questions, right? Because sometimes we label a question a doubt, right? And that's problematic because as soon as you label something, it becomes that thing for you, right? So words are very powerful. They have meaning. And then that becomes a part of our understanding. So we have to be very careful. If you have a question, don't call it a doubt unnecessarily. If it's a question, it's a question, right? And we should ask questions as Muslims. We're encouraged to ask questions. There'll be many things we don't know about. We're going in search of the answers. So relabel it first. Really ask yourself, is it a doubt or is it a question? Now, if you genuinely are having doubts and issues and, and you know, your, your mind's lacking, is you have to realize a lot of times Doubts stem from two main things. One is that we are not studying our religion. We're not really looking into things and inquiring about things and studying, increasing our knowledge. 
And the second thing is that we're engaging in things, in, desi- in fulfilling our desires, which are not, you know, we shouldn't be doing, right? So we're engaging in sins. When you engage in sins, what happens is, is you start enjoying those things, right? Because they're linked to your desires and they come up over and over again. And the more you fulfill your desires, the more you sort of enjoy that process and the more you get used to it. Now, there's this dissonance within your mind, within the person, because on one side, you know Allah has told you not to do X, Y, and Z. And on the other side, you enjoy doing X, Y, and Z, and you're doing X, Y, and Z, whatever that is, right? And human beings, we don't like to be in a state of dissonance as human beings. We like to have stability, right? Now, when there's this tension within your mind, Allah's told me to do this, but I'm doing this and I'm enjoying this, that's going to cause this, this, this very sort of agitated state within you. You're not going to be comfortable. So in that scenario, you're going to end up doing one of two things. You're either going to stop doing the sins or try to stop doing those sins and bring yourself back to the correct way, or you're going to turn away from Islam and carry on with your sins, right? Now, unfortunately, most people end up going towards just carrying on with the sins and turning away from Islam because it's easier. You know, it's much easier to just fulfill and give into your desires and that instant gratification, right? As opposed to doing what's right as, as people, so we don't do what's right. We don't, we take the easy route, which is doing these things. Now, to make things easy for yourself, to get rid of this dissonance in your mind, you have to turn away from Islam, right? Now, what ends up happening, and this may happen on a subconscious level, is that you will start to manufacture doubts so that you can disassociate from Islam and carry on with your desires. And that makes, so you'll try convincing yourself, oh, you know, Islam isn't true for X, Y, and Z reason. Okay, it's not true. I don't need to worry anymore. There's no accountability. There's nothing to worry about. Let me, I can go and do whatever I want now and enjoy myself, right? But we don't realize that we do this deliberately. It's to get ourselves out of this dissonance. We start manufacturing doubts. And shaitan obviously plays a role in this as well, right? So it's to really get to, to, to the bottom of it. Understand why you have doubts. And then once you're conscious of it and you're aware of what's going on, then you can start solving that problem. And, and really, you know, take the responsibility of solving that problem. No one's going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. And you, Allah's given you the strength and the ability to resolve these issues. He's made you intelligent. He's given you rational faculties. He's given you a heart. He's given you a soul. You know, he's given you the fitra. So, you know, be responsible and face the challenge of, of solving your issues. You know, and those are two things you run away from. We don't want to be responsible and we don't want to do things that are difficult in today's world. You know, we just want things to be easy, you know, and we always do what's easy, even if it's wrong. You know, so and being a Muslim, you know, especially being a Muslim, we have to realize that we're moral beings, we're rational beings, and it's therefore a responsibility upon us to do what's right, even if it's difficult, even if it's hard, you know, even if it takes effort. And just to do that, and then you'll realize when you do that, that's when you'll truly be happy. You know, when you face your obstacles, you face your challenges and head on and you, you take them on and you take them out, that's when you're going to be, you know, you're going to feel happy, truly happy and, and joyful not when you give in to your desires and you give in to what's easy you know and do what's wrong you're just going to be in this sort of perpetual downward spiral and just be mm. depressed and sad and and, and you know you, it's, it's not going to end somewhere good it, it gives you that false sense of uh the satisfaction and, and of uh pleasure where it's like it, you do something and then it's like oh this feels good you know like i, I wanted to do this it feels good doing it but then it's like it's very short lived, and then once that's gone, you're right back to where you started. Versus like if you are doing things properly, if you are reading the Quran, if you are praying, 
you are present in your prayer, you have that taqwa, and you are truly in tune with the creator. Like that's that's different. That doesn't leave you high and dry. Absolutely. Like the other ones, yeah. Absolutely, bro. And this is, I mean, it, it reminds me of a narration of the Prophet Sallam in regards to Dajjal. Right, it's a very. There's many things the Prophet said about Dajjal, which is in English the Antichrist, as is translated, the the deceiver that will come near the end of times. He's he in one of the narrations the Prophet mentioned that Dajjal would have a heaven and a hell, a Jannah and a Jahannam with him, right? And his Jannah, his paradise would actually be hell, and his hellfire would actually be paradise, right? Now, I mean, it's really interesting. From one way, we live in times where What's right and what's good is very difficult, right? It's almost like hell, literally, like it's like, you know, hellfire itself. It's so difficult, you know, doing what's right. And it's so easy to do what's wrong. You know, it's so easy to, to indulge in things which are wrong. You know, so it's about being, we have to be conscious that we live in times where, you know, it's all flipped. You know, appearances are not the same as reality. And if we keep engaging the things that are easy, that give you that quick you know, instant gratification, in the long run, you're just going to be depressed and you're going to be empty as a person, you know, because you're not living up to your potential. And if you do what's right, as difficult as it is, as much as it may seem like hell, you know, you're going to, at the end of it, you're going to feel good. You know, you're going to mm -hmm. actually feel proud of yourself for doing the right things. Man, 100%, bro, 100%. See, we have, a, we have a Patreon and, you know, our beginning tiers are just, they get our exclusive content early, you know, exclusive videos and our podcast early. But we have some tiers where we involve like coaching with us, the like consultation calls. And a lot of the consultation calls we do get from our patrons, um, believe it or not, bro, the things we tell them that are in line with the Quran and Sunnah to the best of our abilities, it already naturally resonates with their fitra. Like mm. once we tell them, they're like, oh, you know what? I had a feeling. You know, like I just needed that reassurance. And it's like yeah. when you say something that just it just hits their soul, it just for some reason, they always know like that was the issue anyway. But they couldn't put two and two together. Maybe they were clouded by this thing. Maybe their their lens was like hazy. Maybe they were focusing on the wrong things. So it just reinforces the fact that, yes, there is one objective truth, one objective reality, one instruction manual sent from the, the creator. And we should do what we can to the best of our abilities to follow that. Absolutely, bro. It's, like you said, it's the fitra. Like, you know, Allah says in the Quran that he, you know, in Surah Shams, he said that, he says that, you know, after he created the soul, he inspired the soul with an understanding of right and wrong. So it's innate, you know, this, this, this compass that we have within us. Um, but the world we live in today is trying to sort of break that compass so people lose that internal sense of right and wrong. And therefore, it's easier for them to engage in things which are wrong without feeling any guilt or any internal sort of marker or check that will inform them that what they've done is wrong. Um, so it's it, the fitra is always there, bro. It's it's a part of our nature, you know. So uh, and like you said, when we tell them what Allah tells them in the Quran, what's the Quran is in line with human nature. It's in line with the fitra, you know. So it's it's just a case of you know doing what's right and having the courage to do that and the strength to do that. Mashallah. Guys, I just want to do a quick plug right now. If you want to go deeper into the concept of losing your Iman, there's a wonderful khutbah that I watched by uh, Noman Ali Khan. It's called How We Lose Our Iman, right? It was posted about five years ago. It has like just under 2 million views. So, you know, you got the right video. Give that a watch if, if you want something that hits your soul, inshallah. Like that hit me. That was a video that I watched and I was like, damn, bro. Like I never put two and two together. All the puzzle pieces like came together and it made sense. Like, you start feeling guilty because you're addicted to your nafs. Just like you said, you're controlled by your desires. You took your desire as God, as Allah, 
And you get to a point where it's like, the only thing making you feel guilty is this Islam thing. And this Islam thing isn't really that true anyway. So why am I feeling guilty? Let me remove Islam from the picture so I can just do my nafs without feeling any accountability. Salah. I'm paraphrasing the khutbah, but guys, watch that khutbah for sure. All right, Anho, anything else? I see. Right, guys, if you made it this far, comment down below. Hashtag bring Imran back, because we got to have part two. But jazakallah khair for your time, man. Jazakallah khair, guys. May Allah bless you. And uh, yeah, may Allah make some means for, uh, you know, of, of benefit for us and for everyone else that watches, inshallah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Any last few uh, words or message you have before we wrap it up? No, just keep going, man. You guys are doing amazing work, mashallah. You know, reaching out, especially the demographic that's in trouble, you know, especially in the times that we live in. So it's it's very powerful, mashallah. You know, and just, you know, it's inspiring to see you guys do this, mashallah. Uh, you know, especially uh, brother, um, you know, um, is it, Ang- how do you say the name, bro? I Sorry, I, I'm like, Angel, mashallah. You know, yeah. you've, you've, you've been Muslim for almost a year, right? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, bro. And just to see you, mashallah, you know, not only try to better yourself, but just to help others, you know, see that concern for people and doing this, you know, so soon after you became Muslim is inspiring, mashallah, man. It's really inspiring. May Allah bless you and increase you. Amen. Amen. Amen, bro. Much respect for Anha. Yeah, guys, if you made it this far, smash that like button, share the video with someone that you think might need it. May Allah bless you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam.